Welcome to the One Deeper Podcast, where you and I try to learn something new about the world. My guest this episode is Dr. Manuel Culiers. Dr. Culiers is an associate professor in the Department of Cognitive Science and Artificial Intelligence at Tilburg University. He is also the academic director of the CSAI program. His research focuses on, to put it broadly, all things language. We talk about language, value, its purpose for humans, and much more. So, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Emmanuel Kuliers. Dr. Kuliers, how do you pronounce your name? I've never, I never really understood how to say it. It's uh, pronounced Kuliers. Kuliers, okay. Kuliers, yeah. Uh, well, typ- typical right. uh, 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 Dutch uh, vowel, which is uh, very unusual in other languages. Yeah, but you're you're Belgian, right? Uh, yeah, my I, I I have Belgian nationality. That's that's true. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, so okay, so let's like let's start from like the like the, the from the ground up. So like, where are you from? Like. What did you study in school, etc.? Oh, uh, so I, I was born in the in the city of uh, Mechelen uh, in uh, Belgium. Uh, I also uh, attended uh, school there, and then I uh, did uh, a round of universities in uh, in Belgium. I studied uh, psychology at the University of Brussels, and then uh, at uh, Ghent University, and then I did a um, PhD. Uh, at the University of Antwerp, uh, and I moved to Antwerp there, and I and I, I, I still live in that city. So you studied psychology first. I studied psychology first, uh, and and uh, I think like many psychology students, I uh, I uh, uh, studied psychology to to probably understand other people, and then quickly realized that. Uh, the reason I studied psychology was to understand myself and then realized at some point that uh, it was a very difficult task. And so uh, then I uh, stopped studying clinical uh, psychology and moved to uh, experimental psychology, uh, which is a much more exact field and uh, is, is, is less mired in, in uh, uh, interpretation. Also, I think in, in, in general, uh, for um psychology just in terms of if you want to do therapy or something uh mm-hmm. you shouldn't study psychology uh when you come out of high school you need some life experience uh, <laughs> for that um so i think it, uh, people studying psychology to help others should be required to have uh uh, you know, decent life experience. Uh, otherwise, they, they, they will just, uh, um, yeah, not understand other people. I, yeah, I get what you mean. So so you finished, like, you finished your entire psychology, like, did you finish that path of your life or did you just say, I'm done with this and then move to some other thing? Like, like, no, absolutely like, not. I, I think that, I mean, so the, the, the theoretical and experimental psychology, which is what I studied, is is very, very similar to what, uh, you would call cognitive science, right? So uh, I first learned about uh, neural networks when I was, uh, for instance, uh, studying uh, um, 
studying again, doing doing my uh, master, and uh, became really interested in in uh, uh, modeling, and so uh, that's that's what I uh, started uh, to do, and um, I always had an interest in in, in language as well, uh, but my parents wouldn't let me study uh, or my parents. Uh, well, they, they weren't very much in favor of me studying linguistics. Um, so <laughs> Why is that? That seems so, very specific. In, in, I don't know. That's that's what I wanted to study. Uh, and then, then I, I didn't do that, but I, and, and I ended up doing psychology. But um, in the end, my, my PhD was in computational psycholinguistics. So that kind of combines all of my, uh, my interests in uh, uh, psychology and um, uh, computer science, uh, AI, and um, language. So, yeah. That sounds like something out of, uh, you know, um out of something out of like who who wrote the the foundation uh, series um asimov uh, isaac asimov, asimov yes yeah. <laughs> it's not psychohistory though it's it's, uh, it's, it's not psychohistory yeah. but uh, pretty close so did you always want to like be an academic like when you were in school what was the what was the thinking when you were back there no absolutely you know there's two sides to this there, this is like how you grow grow up. I, I think I, I grew up in an intellectually very stimulating environment, but I remember very well when we had these these tests at school, orientation tests, uh, that um, the things I would answer on those tests were uh, things that I, I felt like I had a connection to. So uh, I I think uh, uh, I answered uh, Baker um, Cook. Uh, baker like yeah, making uh, like making bread yeah so baker cook uh engineering also uh, engineer was something i would answer and um it's it's really interesting because the, the what you see is that those whenever uh somebody would answer that and the these tests serve more or in in that time served more as a reason to put uh, students who weren't performing uh, well academically um, mm -hmm. in a uh, career-oriented direction instead of in a general uh, direction. Um, but I, I would have been, I think, um, happy being a baker or a cook. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of what I, 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 I'm interested in, uh, I would have applied there because both of these things are very technical subjects which require a lot of precision uh, a, a lot of uh, knowledge and you you can approach them uh, they're fascinating right so uh, and i still remember that that that, that quite well uh, and i uh, at 11 years old I said, yeah why not baker cook that's uh, or chef in, in a sense of yeah no i, like I completely understand because i uh I'm learning to cook. I've, I started learning to cook recently um, as a way of sort of staying in touch with my mom. So I would mm -hmm. just call her on Skype or something, and she would she would guide me through uh, like 
how to like making a recipe and it's like a restaurant right so in the morning i'll call uh, it's like talking to the head chef and then you plan out the menu so i'll go to the market and mm-hmm. then i'll like buy the stuff i need so yeah it's definitely technical um and uh, i'm like okay so you you said you wanted to be a wanted to be a cook you know like so so okay so when you were in school were you always just like good with math and numbers and stuff or how did you find that well uh, i i was in in, in my uh, i think in the foundational years uh, so uh, and and afterwards i i had a, a rebellious periods in, in 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 which i wasn't really good at anything uh, except if it's uh, uh, if it could frustrate somebody that i would be uh, good at that <laughs> uh, so i i was a self-driven learner so uh, right. i i remember um, I had a I, I learned programming I think at 11 uh, but we didn't have that at school uh, at all and I and uh, uh, so I, I was in a, in a situation which which I would consider um, it's like a foundational story uh, for me so uh, I had a Commodore 128 uh, but my parents didn't have uh, at that, that time uh, the money to to buy a uh, disk drive for it so it was still on cassette the only right. problem i had was that my uh the the heads of my the the cassette reader was misaligned so i couldn't read any other programs uh that that, that <laughs> uh, uh other people would have uh would have written and, and given me so i couldn't load any games so i started writing uh things myself and trying things out. And I think that period of, of uh, having to program from a book, uh, trying to figure things out without any outside uh, help uh, taught me a lot of uh, patience and um, uh, perseverance in, 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 in that respect. Uh, I think yeah. that was very lucky because if I would have been able to read all those uh, programs and all those games. I would probably never have learned to program. Like, uh, I, I can actually I can relate to that because um, I came into this whole thing similarly. But I mean, I had an engineering background, but I, when I came into AI, I hadn't done a whole lot of manipulating data or uh, like writing like properly, just like writing hardcore software stuff. Because I spent most of my time with a with a with a uh, with a with an with a oscilloscope or a, and a breadboard and just like building nice. stuff, right? Nice. So uh, when I had to learn this, so I, when I when I first got interested, I had to basically piece together the knowledge that I needed online. So, and now and that habit has come so handy now because like it's just like a second, it's just, it's just like it's just like second nature, right? Like I, like I can put put together some code like without even having to know like. Like right now, I'm working on something, and it's I need to use some Java, some R, some Python, but it's like what it's 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 like a nature just to like okay, go online, put the error message in somewhere, and see what some see what someone else did, take it, adapt it, fix your error, and then get it to work. Like it's 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 it's, it's pretty rewarding, but I don't know how. But I don't know how I would how would how I would have done it without the internet. Like I don't know how you taught yourself to program without being able to go to Stack Overflow. We, we, th- that's really interesting. Again, I mean, not having, I, I think if I would have ha- had like all of those sources available, it would have probably gone faster. I, I would have quickly turned to another uh, language than, than uh, basic, for instance, because 
that's what you had. I mean, the, the you, you switched on the, the machine and, and the, uh, basically the, the, the basic interpreter was in the ROM. So that's what you got. And then there was a book uh, with it, which said like, okay, this is a programming language and here are some programs. And if you wanted to uh, do something, you had to type over the entire uh, uh, program. And then uh, I could save my own programs and read them uh, again. Because I mean, the, the 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 heads were misaligned, but that's like the it's it's the same head that would read it and and, and write it, so that would that was fine. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, it, in isolation, and I I wasn't I think a a, a good programmer by by any uh, standard, but I think it's the um, the knowledge that that. Uh, you need to um, persevere, and you'll you'll figure out how it works uh, in the end uh, w without yes. uh, looking for for outside help. I think that's a that's a skill uh, which you need to learn through experience. Yeah, like I, that's definitely something I noticed uh, as being a TA for, for interior programming, like. Uh, there's there, there, there's, a, there's a there's a certain lack of uh, perseverance. It's like it's like you know you, you try it, it doesn't work, and then it's like no, I'm done. It's like no, like you should just, like like the number of times where I'll work like hours on end on a problem trying trying to solve the code. Like when I when I was first starting to learn uh, linked lists and uh, you know double linked lists. That was not easy. Like it didn't come naturally to me at all, right? Because like your brain just doesn't. It's not. It's hard for your brain to work that way, especially if you if you're trying to traverse the list in like in recursively. It's like it's it's really difficult. And sometimes I would just I just try it. I try for hours, never get it right. But then I go to sleep, and then I wake up in the morning, and then I'll have like an intuition, like oh wait a minute, why can't I just do this? Because actually most of the learning, most of the things happen when you're asleep. And uh, that, so, like, you have to persevere long enough for it to for it to matter, obviously. But you know, <laughs> that's uh, okay. So, when did you how 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 did this how did the path go from psychology to ending up in AI? Like, how what, mm -hmm. what was the what was the trajectory there? Uh, I, I, that's interesting. So, I did a postdoc in Ghent where I studied uh, for my uh, master. And uh, I was there for quite a long time. It's good to do a long postdoc. I had a really uh, prolific uh, uh, period of, of doing research. And uh, I started uh, to, uh, so my PhD was already on uh, using machine learning to uh, model some, some, some aspects of uh, uh, psycholinguistics and so i already did some machine learning there so as i was familiar with that but then we started to um work with a lot of uh what you would call behavioral big data um and we started collecting uh or making online experiments where uh hundreds of thousands of people uh would participate and process those data. And I think in every aspect of my work there, this computational aspect uh, and the AI uh, methods uh, started to emerge 
more and more. And so it was more and more in my interest, although I didn't study it. Um, and then as, as it goes, while you're doing a postdoc, you start to apply here and there. Uh, and I applied here and there, uh, came second uh, quite, quite a few times. In things when I, I look at it in hindsight, I would probably not have been as happy as I am here. Uh, so, mm -hmm. um, in the end, I, I ended up at uh, Tilburg University, but in the, the Department of Communication and Information Sciences, because we were one big department. I was teaching psycholinguistics, but also text mining, uh, so mm -hmm. uh, more like NLP. And then when um, the bachelor uh, started, uh, uh, the departments uh, split. And I went to uh, cognitive science and AI. Nice. We definitely won out. We definitely came out on top on that deal. So, so was that your like was that your was that your first? What was your first teaching experience like? What did oh, where yeah. did you start? Well, I, I long ago when I was um, uh, doing my PhD in Antwerp. So okay. my. Uh, uh, supervisor uh, um, had a, I think, a prolonged illness, and he wasn't available to to teach. So I volunteered. This is something I, I shouldn't have done, but I volunteered uh, to to take over uh, his course, which was in um, yeah, psycholinguistics, and I think that that was my first. I already taught workshops and, and you know smaller smaller things, but in, in terms of academic teaching to students, undergraduate students, it was my first experience. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, as it uh, goes, like the very similar path to um, most other lecturers I, I talk to is that it's really difficult uh, in uh, at the start. You worry a lot, uh, and I still worry a lot, but it's not paralyzing. So yeah. I, I really enjoy teaching, uh, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I think it's one of the, the nicer aspects of, of uh, this job is when you're actually in, in, in front of the classroom. And, uh, you can do, uh, you can explain something well, and sometimes you can't, and then uh, you try to do it better next time. So, right. yeah. Okay. So, all right. Enough of this history stuff. I want to ask you some actual questions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I want. I, I, I was curious about like the history of his the history of the role of language in AI, like. Mm -hmm. What's the like? Just give, give just give me like like I want to like I'm trying to understand sort of because it seems like it's a very important part of what we consider to be intelligent behavior, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's and like more what's the history in studying it in terms of AI. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure what you're asking in terms of like cognitive science or AI. No, uh, because I I asked I asked that because like for example I, I talked with Dr. Ron Coglia, right, and her in her like her investigation to language and how um 
what language is seems i can't put my finger on it but like it seems a bit like a bit different than from the approach like the 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 way you're approaching it like mm-hmm. from a very sort of computational mm-hmm. linguistics perspective like so yeah. i don't understand what the what the because she is more interested in like the neural activity and how how like phonemes and stuff are perceived etc yeah yeah so so i think the the, the reason why language uh, is uh, so important for uh, ai is that it is probably uh, the highest cognitive capa- capacity that you can try to model language is very very complicated uh, both in yeah. in its uh, um, in 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 the way uh, it is acquired uh, in uh, its importance in the uh, in the entire human ecosystem as a, a way of uh, um, facilitating almost everything we do. Um, also something, some, sometimes making things much more difficult. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's a very, it's probably the highest order uh, cognitive capacity. And that, that's why it has a, a kind of um, role in AI and cognitive science where people uh, differentiate the things that you need to have language from uh, other cognitive capacities. Let's say, for instance, image recognition. Uh, you could say, well, we can do image recognition pretty well using just representing the uh, an image as a, a bunch of pixels. That's the retina, uh, let's say, and having general learning mechanisms figure out what is what right that that kind of stuff works well for image uh, recognition um and for a very long time um things like that didn't work well for language and, and they really still don't so you have this um position the chomskyan position uh on uh what language is where uh, he says that language is a um, specific cognitive faculty, which is different from all, uh, from, from general purpose cognitive faculty. And it's something uh, genetic. It's, it, it's something that we're born with and it takes the form of an abstract um, universal grammar that's somewhere uh, encoded into in, in, in our uh, um, brain. Uh, so what that means is, is that, uh, it's seen as symbol manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that, uh, it has very little to do with how we, uh, actually, uh, observe the, the, the wetware. When you look at a brain, you don't see symbols anywhere. You, right. uh, you basically see neurons. Um, so there's a big debate or there was a big debate uh, about that. And, and there is still a very, very uh, strong division between linguists who adhere to that position and linguists who adhere to the position that language is just like another cognitive capacity. And you need the same things uh, to, uh, to explain it as you do uh, learning, um, I don't know, uh, 
learning motor skills, uh, for instance, or coordination you, I mean, or, or vision. Is there, a, is there a theory as to where this universal grammar might come from? Like, how did we get it in the first place? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, like, like many things, there's lots of theories about where language comes from, how it, how it forms. And I think uh, Chomsky really doesn't care. Uh, uh, he he uh, um, basically says that, that uh, it must exist for all kinds of uh, um, I think what you would call phenomenological arguments, right? So when, when, when you look at language, uh, you can see that this is, uh, for instance, this sentence is grammatical and this sentence is not grammatical. Uh, and that approach is more or less taken to say, well, it can't be anything else but symbolic. Um, I, yeah, uh, it's not that this is my position. I'm just trying to lay out right, um, right. what it means. So you, you can read, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty impenetrable. Uh, and, uh, but you can try to read something like syntactic structures, uh, where, uh, the, the, these ideas are, are laid out. A really interesting uh, thing that we uh, also talk about uh, in the program, or, or we did last year, uh, I think you, you, you took that uh, lecture when we discussed Chomsky, was the relation between uh, like the emergence of these Chomskyan theories and behaviorism, where it's really an explicit reaction uh, to this um, Skinnerian behaviorism that explains all the cognitive uh capacities that we, we we have a stimulus response learning so very much like what would we say there's something going in in the neural network and there's something uh coming out uh and the, there's a, uh in between that it's just association right uh and uh what chomsky did to his credit uh is is showing that some aspects of language don't uh, really lend themselves to the kind of uh, explanations, uh, behavioristic explanations that that uh, Skinner had uh, at that time. Why, why do you think language evolved? Like, how come? Like, like do you have a, any ideas? Any thoughts? I think. On... My, yeah, my 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 personal view is 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 that it's. Uh, um, it has to do with with uh, in a, I would say transmitting value to each other. Like when what you're doing when you're um, using language usually is creating something uh, of value. And I think that uh, what my position in, 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 in this is, and, and maybe it's where I, I differ from other people, is that language, human language, is not natural. It's not something natural. It's very often called natural language. But when you think of it, it's actually quite technological. We don't, we would never have the language we have now without uh, that language having been written down uh, taught, uh, uh, regularized uh, throughout uh, time, um, and 
really being subject to um, some kind of uh, authority on how you should use that language and, and how you, you shouldn't. So I think it, the language we use now is not entirely natural. Uh, and, and it is probably quite different from uh, the proto languages. So, so where, where language developed, and I think Chomsky would take the position that it's not. That, uh, you know, that this is more or less uh, the, the capacity for language which uh, um, has emerged at some point and from uh, that point onwards, it's the cognitive faculty itself that drives what language looks like. Whereas what I think is it's uh, by and, and, and large uh, humans interactions and, and the, the, uh, the effect of human networks on uh, their communication tool that uh, shapes uh, language, right? So if you, if right. you have, uh, there, that puts constraints on what language can be. You, you cannot have certain things, uh, phenomena in language appearing unless they are subject to um, certain constraints. So, uh, it, it's, like, it's interesting that you sort of pointed out networks, right? Because I was thinking about, I was thinking about recently the things that separate us from other animals, right? Because, you know, like as 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 similar as we are to a lot of animals, like especially the great apes, there's something about us that's very weird, right? Like, there's very like we're very weird animals, and I was trying to think of things that separate us from other animals, and and one of the things that that struck me was the fact that. Is, is how much we depend on other human beings, right? And like the, like, like, like even to have this conversation, right? We are depending on hundreds of thousands of unknown human, human beings who like put together the, this computer, this mic, who are running the internet and the electricity and all these things, right? To make it, make it happen. And, and it feels like a language is such an, such a crucial part of that, that, um, that, that 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 thing which is so okay so what do you think is like the crown jewel of human of being a human like i think language is, language and communication is pretty much pretty out there as well as what we can accomplish um, i yeah i think what language allows us to do is to approach the real world uh with some distance so uh, there, there, there's a, a psychoanalytic theory, uh, uh, pretty impenetrable again by uh, Jacques Lacan, uh, which uh, distinguishes, uh, I think, between the real and the uh, symbolic. And what I think language does in, in, in that respect is that um, it is the, the um, ability to connect with the world and with others in um, a way that we are not directly confronted with them. Right? So uh, let's say that, for instance, you, you, have, uh, you feel angry, right? The ability to uh, 
feel your anger and to have a word for it immediately uh, creates a distance between you and the raw emotion. Right? The same thing with fear, for instance, but also with uh, desire or love or, or, or anything that we uh, um, experience as, as raw emotions. From the moment that we have words for it, we're able to work with those things from a distance and we're able to differentiate between them and on the basis of having all of these words for these different things we're able to create very very uh, complex uh, thoughts and reasoning systems which we would not have if we wouldn't uh, have this filter of uh, language which, which represents uh, parts of the of the world so, so to what degree do you think our mastery of a language or let's say beyond mastery, let's say what do, the richness of the language with which we are fluent, what, to what degree, like, so the, the, what, what I'm trying to get at is that like, even if, let's say I've been, I've been married to someone for 50 years, right? And I know this person like inside and out. The, no matter what, how close we are, the only real way for that person to know what I'm feeling is for me to, 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 to tell them, right? Or like for me, like for them, for them, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of how I can most readily share my state of consciousness with another person, right? Uh, and it's interesting sorry, that yeah. you. It's interesting that you say that this is the only way. Obviously, it's not. There, there are non-linguistic ways of 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 of, uh, of being uh, with with other people and, and of showing yeah. things. That, yeah. but I think what you're saying is exactly uh, uh, my point. Is that it's much easier when you uh, have words. That doesn't mean that the the other thing is impossible or even something that should be avoided. But uh, it's much easier when, when you have those things. Uh, on the other hand, uh, knowing, uh, suddenly knowing a concept and, and having a word for it can seriously change your relationship with somebody. Right, right. Suddenly right. realizing that uh, something uh, you were unable to say for a very long time actually can be expressed in words. That's an interesting situation. So like, so imagine a situation where the only way that you could express yourself is just to create some music or create some art yeah. or something, something great, like let's say, right. And, and if you, and most people are terrible at, at those things, like they can't really create art. They can't really, you know, like write songs, let's say, like, I just, I'll just hear, just bear, yeah. just bear me out. It is bear yeah. me, right. Like, but through bad language seems like a, it's like a, it's like a, scalable solution right anyone can sort of learn the learn the words and try to match those words to their internal state and try to communicate that to another human being right so like i'm wondering like, I, 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 I'm trying to get like a, like a grasp grasp this yeah I, I see where you're going uh, but i don't agree uh completely because okay, great. Uh, so anybody can on. anybody can 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 sing a song repeat a song uh, and and uh, everybody, you know, playing an instrument, maybe something else, but we have the capacity to, mo most people have the capacity to to uh, sing, 
to have rhythms. So yeah. I don't agree that, that people are not able to make music. I think they do in the same way that they use language. And when we're talking about uh, artistic creativity, if you want to do that well, either you're some kind of, uh, uh, you know, stimulus association genius who gets everything, I think that doesn't exist. Um, and what you see as virtuosity is really people who know exactly what they're doing. So right, right. for instance, if you look at uh, jazz, right? And uh, uh, I think nobody plays jazz music proficiently unless they know exactly what they're doing. And so they've, they've, uh, they know how to create. And what I, uh, the analogy to that in the use of language is, if you want to write something, and you want to write well, that's not a capacity that, uh, first of all, um, exists without training, without deep understanding of uh, how to write, uh, and uh, without a lot of uh, experience. So I think it is, uh, there are different levels of, of, of how to use language uh, and I think that this very high level of, of creativity the people who you they're not their virtuosity is, is, is not naive right right I think it's uh, so it's studied first for a while I thought of language from a purely I thought it was just, I thought of it just as another like a technological like I thought of language as a technology that we that that, that we use right. And like, for example, I, so in Sri Lanka, I, um, I used to, so we used to have this, have this lady, uh, who like, uh, like who worked for my mom and she was really poor. And, um, I went to with her to her village one time. Right. I mean, like I went to, I, we, we actually drove her like five hours to her village, like, which is basically in a forest <laughs> and, and we had some um, like and it was, it was amazing and then so i spoke to her grandchildren right uh who were um who were just being taught singhalese like they were just learning singhalese like the native language and nowhere else in the world is this language spoken like so not on the internet not anywhere right and so they, they were asking some advice like okay what, what you know what advice would you give me right these are like i don't know like eight nine year old kids 10 year old kids, no, maybe a little bit older than that. Right. And I was just, I just told them like, learn any other language. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like uh, it could be English, it could be Chinese. It doesn't matter. But like most of the internet, for example, is in English or in Chinese soon or whatever. Like I just thought of it as, as a technology, but it's clearly more than that. It feels like, right. So where do you stand on the language thought idea? Uh, idea like do you like do you think the language you speak affects the way you think no, there, there, there's been a lot of research uh, uh, on that and it's a, it, it's a very exciting field because we would like to believe that it is the case um, I think there may be some small effects they're not going to be very large so uh, maybe that's a, that's a, that's good to reflect on. So 
psychology uh, and, and, and especially studies on language and, and, and psycholinguistics very often point out that they can find a difference here and there. And then when this, the popular press writes about it, uh, it suddenly uh, is interpreted as, well, the language you speak changes everything. Well, when we, you look at the statistics, uh, the effects are very, very small and are probably not there uh, for uh, for all of the subjects they tested. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very skeptical of of the uh, not theoretical relevance of that kind of research, but of the implications that that, that people make of it. I think, by and large, uh, you don't have huge differences in uh, how people think. Uh, that you can only and uniquely relate to the language they speak. Right. The reason I brought that like, up is because there's like a real practical implication for somewhere from like from where I'm from. Because as far as some Sri Lankans are concerned, I am a foreign devil. Right? Because I because I speak the language so well, I must obviously not have Sri Lankan values or Sinhalese values. Like this is like real life, right? Like I'm telling you yeah. from experience. And um, there's also a lot of like political um, pushback in sort of like doing something simple as giving kids free access to internet. Because mm -hmm. they, they're like, no, if they if they forget their, their natural language, their, their mother, mother tongue or whatever it is, they will stop valuing and stop thinking like Sri Lankans and uh, so like that's like a that's a real I mean how would how do you like I don't know you don't know I don't know what to do what doing this doing this doing this situation right it's like okay well yeah but this is I think different because the the what, what you're saying there is like it language connects you to culture difficulties uh, <laughs> technical difficulties I meant um so uh, we were just talking about uh, language and how it gives access to culture, right? And uh, you, you, you were going to say something. But yeah, I, I, I think uh, that I mean, you, were, you were talking about uh, how uh, there are political motivations uh, uh, for, I think, the authorities uh, in, in, in Sri Lanka to... Um, only have uh, children uh, speaking Sinhalese, is that it? Mm -hmm. uh, it yeah. and, and obviously, yes, if you uh, uh, access gives you, uh, so language gives you access to specific networks and, and specific uh, um, information, it also can take it away. So if, if, if you don't know certain um, language, you're also not able to participate in certain networks and find out yeah. particular information. And, and this, you know, in, in terms of social linguistics, it's this goes beyond language uh, itself, but also in, in the way you use language, because uh, uh, then it's about how language becomes a status uh, symbol and how you may pronounce oh, yeah, for sure. uh, your uh, consonants in a particular way uh, it tells people if you're the in group or the out group. 
that's pretty funny like actually like uh, i it's so funny you should mention that because for sure i know like uh, speaking english uh, is like a is a bit of a status symbol where i'm from like even if you can't speak it properly people will try to like speak broken english just to i know i know my mom does it sometimes it's it's pretty funny <laughs> but uh, like it's a cuz like from a technology point of view it kind of makes sense right like if you don't if you want to limit people from having access to all these different ideas like i guess it's not the language itself that causes the problem it's the fact that having the language gives you access to new ideas right like if you can't read english at all your your the the amount of the amount of utility you can derive from the internet is mi- minimal Unless you're in China or China. Yeah, and I, I think I mean <laughs> with machine translation, if if you have a good language pair, that's great. Also, I have to say, I mean that mm-hmm. that uh, there are certain languages which uh, uh, have a lot of speakers which are typically not very proficient uh, in English because the the language community is quite monolithic, and that's the case for uh, German, Italian, French. Uh, I mean, this is changing, but for a very long time. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the typical uh, German or uh, Italian would only speak German or Italian, but there's also an enormous amount of information available in uh, those languages. So, okay. Do you think about general artificial intelligence? Like, is that something you are even, like, how much does that, work in your mind at all not uh, not the slightest uh, really i i think it's uh, <laughs> me at, at at this point yeah i think that's uh you know sociological science fiction it's it's uh it's interesting to discuss it but more from from a uh sociological point of view i think it tells us a lot about the fears that we have as a uh, as humans uh, as a society um, and what you can't avoid is that that humanity always goes through uh, radical transformations uh, and i think that the the, the transformation uh, of language itself and the profound effect it has on humanity may be more important than uh, artificial intelligence uh, could ever be. Uh, also, the, the Industrial Revolution has like profoundly changed our relation uh, with the world and with each other. In, yeah, like I, I asked because uh, I, you, I would think it, in that endeavor like having so do you think an ai suppose we didn't really explicitly think about language for this ai do you think it would just just like um, just it would just come up with it on its own as something that it needs why i mean why did we come up with because it why do we, why, why do we because have because for, for for us there's value in in doing that thing using uh efficient communication systems is of profound value to human society and and and, and human interactions so every time we we are able to 
exchange things, it helps us a lot to to do that. It's it's in that sense it's it's not um, very different from an efficient uh, commercial transaction. It's like I want this. Okay, I'll give you this. Uh, we're done. Uh, you give me this. And th- th- this ability to to understand uh, each other through a common shared code is extremely beneficial to uh, humans. You, you could say that um, computers have code uh, if, if, if they mm-hmm. want to, uh, if they would want to express things. But what is of value to um, a computer or an AI program is not clear to me. And so the, 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 without uh, a clear idea of of what would constitute value, um, I don't see how So you think so? So basically, so like just to just so you think, our we we got language because of just the clear like survival reproductive benefits of value of being no, able to communicate. No, it's, or it's why, just, why do you think it was valid? It's just incredibly efficient. Hmm. It's, it's so so yeah so, like, what, like what do we derive the value from? Like the the value of share being able to efficiently communicate something like so the way i think about it is this right the way i think about it is that i think um my obviously i don't know anything about language <laughs> i don't know anything about anything right but uh like my conception of it is that we have an experience of reality that is sufficiently different from everyone else's experience of reality that we needed some way to bridge that gap and okay and so we sort of like it's like out of that necessity i feel like we like i don't know why that was necessary but i think we sort of evolved like language just proved to be such a powerful tool to solving that problem like even if like like even if let's say you and I are in the exact same lecture hall, watching the exact same watching the exact same person, uh, like our experience of reality is highly correlated, right? Like we experience the gravity for this the same way. Let's say we experience thermodynamics the same way. Uh, we may even experience what we are seeing the same way, but we aren't exactly new. It's only a close correlation, right? Like, depend. For example, if you have something going on at home, like that's 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 distracting you. Your experience of the lecture is completely different from my experience of the lecture, right? Even though even even the, even the things in the lecture that you might be particularly interested in was was the things mm-hmm. that I'm not things that I'm interested in, uh, could be very different, right? So like it seems to me there's some need to bridge that gap that gave rise to something like language, even if it isn't exactly language. But uh, I, I think it, I mean so, I, I see what you're saying, but it, it, it's. Uh... Uh, I I would say that, uh, like, <laughs> how are you going to do anything efficiently with another person 
uh, without being with without without having conventions uh, on on right. On okay, how so to do that. and those conventions are language. Imagine organizing any kind of society without language. It doesn't work. Imagine it, having to to, to be a hunter gatherer who re relies on other people uh, to uh, uh, to collect uh, food or uh, organize uh, uh, so something as a as a team. It doesn't work if there aren't shared conventions, and those shared conventions mm -hmm. uh, about uh, what is what our language, and we have a mutual um uh benefits in adhering to those codes and the, the really interesting thing is that you you start understanding how uh, important that mutual adherence to those codes is from the moment somebody doesn't do it it's incredibly frustrating right exactly and so this is pra pra yeah, yeah. pragmatics where uh the breaching of something uh really shows you that the adherence to it is so strong because it almost never occurs. The adherence um, to it is, is proved by, um, proves that it is important. And I can repeat the same point I made again and again and again, and it will be very frustrating because the convention is that we don't do that. We don't repeat mm -hmm. the, the, the the previous sentence again. There right, there is right. a there is a limit, you know, to to uh, people will, who yeah, will right. not accept that. And in in so the, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. So those are Grice's maxims, and uh, that that that's uh, it's it's interesting to read those because it it, uh, it it's not something that that is clear cut, but it it gives you a very clear view on what people adhere to uh, and what they expect from others when they use language. I mean, I mean I, like, I think, I mean, that, that, that idea goes beyond language, right? Like if we, so, you know, like when you walk into a lecture hall, the, all, the, all, the, all the seats are facing one direction, right? And the board is facing the other mm -hmm. direction. And now, and if I sit now, like everyone's sitting in and facing one direction, but if I sat down and faced the opposite direction, Right, and the people in there would be visibly disturbed. They'd be like, "What? Like, what is happening?" They would you be know? disturbed, but you're not affecting the value of the thing. It's like your thing. If you're not needed in that lecture, nobody cares. But if I use language in a, a way that uh, decreases your value, you don't like it because you you, you feel like you're cheated on a transaction. Can you give me an example? Like, like, what, what do you mean? Well, if if I would say, well, you know, I'm I'm a Dutch speaker, uh, and yeah. uh, I find it easy to come up with all kinds of words uh, in 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 Dutch, and I'm gonna have this interview with you and and use all kinds of words that you don't understand, you don't like that. Or if I would talk very softly to you in a way that you wouldn't uh, under understand. Um, or I would not be to the point. I would start talking about something completely different. All of those things are, uh, you know, 
ways in which you, when you do that, people feel cheated. And I'm not a, um, right, right, right. I, I, I'm not a student uh, of pragmatics myself, but uh, I think one of the most powerful examples that uh, an ex-colleague uh, gave to me uh, of this uh, kind of breaching was that uh, as an illustration, you're um, sitting at a dinner table, right? Uh, and uh, somebody's asking you a question, but you have your mouth full of food. What do you do? You can point to your mouth and say, um, yes. I'm going to finish this, right? And then the expectation is that afterwards, you're going to give your answer. The expectation is not that you're going to take another mouthful of food, <laughs> right? So... Yeah. <laughs> These things occur so infrequently, these like grave violations of these conventions. Uh, and, and that makes it clear that what we're doing is, is, um, is very, very regulated. Mm. And it has to do with value. And that, that, that I see everybody uh, ag agrees more or less that you know uh, this is an exchange uh, which it, which is uh, um, there's strict rules uh, about what you can do and what you can't so okay okay so the, the reason I brought up this is like okay so there's a nice like this is all gonna connect you know? <laughs> in a weird weird way but like the reason i brought up this like the idea of like what i thought to be of, of having different experiences is that and you said that computers wouldn't really need to evolve languages right they wouldn't even like an agi might not come up come up with language on its what's own. the value it's, um, it's real my question right so 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 my question is so like so so okay, okay fine so let's take numpy okay right like, 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 is so is NumPy conscious, right? Like, is NumPy capable of having a unique experience that is like a NumPy NumPy on your computer? Is it capable of having a unique experience from a NumPy or some other computer, right? So, like, such that they would have to come up with a way to be able to communicate that would need that would require them to come up with something. That looks like I'm that. not going to answer that question, uh, and I, I think that the, the reason <laughs> is simple. It, it would take me a very long time. I would need to think about yeah. it, and the way I would think about it is in, yeah. in terms of uh, Wittgenstein's language games, and uh, basically, I don't know what that is. No, I, I think that that the, the problem there when we ask the question, right? Um, the question is is ill defined because the terms. Are ill-defined, and when we start analyzing the terms of the question, very often uh, the problem becomes away because the, it's shown that the question, as it is, is unanswerable or or um, or doesn't make a, a lot of uh, uh, sense. And so that was Wittgenstein's approach to some of these uh, metaphysical questions: was to rigorously decompose them until nothing's left. Uh, of them and you see well mm -hmm. there's not really anything there to be answered or it's trivial so i right. tend to think of of these metaphysical uh 
kind of questions about consciousness uh, as, well, we already find it extremely hard to uh, say, to, to, to define what we mean by consciousness. It's incredibly difficult. And you could say, yeah, that's because consciousness is, uh, is a very difficult thing to define, but it's circular, right? And then you would say, exactly, so yeah, why yeah, wouldn't yeah. you use uh, something that you can actually define? Because that's the subject worth mm -hmm. uh, investigating. What you can't define uh, by, by definition is not something you can investigate uh, well. Right. Okay, so like, no, I'll be honest, before I came to this program, I didn't give language a second thought. I didn't think about it at all. Like I was like, because it just it just felt so obvious. Like it just felt so natural, so normal, so natural. I always thought of it as already solved. Like everyone pretty much knows everything within the snowball language, like all done. But, you know, interacting with you and uh, Peter and Paula, I was like, okay, well, this is pretty weird. <laughs> this entire thing that we do call speed to call language is quite strange. And no one seems to really know how where it came from, but it's pretty nice that we have it, right? Like, like it's quite incredible. Like, we, because we, because like you said, we derive so much like value from being able to just. So okay, well, hold on. But we also talk to ourselves, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Like we use language internally as well, right? And so you it's use not the just same about... conventional language. Isn't that amazing? You don't have like yeah, sure. your individual yeah. language. Hey. This is a more efficient language for me to talk to myself. No, you use the conventions because it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's like a self-organizing system. The, the, the things that you use in the conventions have a reason to be efficient. And so, yeah, that's mm -hmm. the, uh, the, why would you go through the trouble? You, you couldn't come up with a, uh, unless it, it, it being for a very, very specific domain that is not uh, like, I mean, even in my dreams, my language, my language is language follows the same rules, right? Even in my dreams, yeah. like when I, I've never, I have never once dreamed in gibberish. Like it's always like, <laughs> it's always follows the same. Even the people in my dreams follow those conventions. Like, like, like I, I've had dreams where it's like multiple people talking to each other, but they still follow the same exact rules of language. Which is weird, right? Like, why would that be the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's nice is is like the the our our uh, uh, mind's capacity to to you know switch off certain things and then still come up with uh, um, yeah like a generation of these hallucinations uh, that, that that dreams are. Mm -hmm. I find it absolutely uh, fabulous. I I I, I dream that I'm reading uh sometimes and then the text appears before my mm -hmm. eyes and i'm reading it while i'm dreaming so mm -hmm. i think that's an amazing feat because your brain has to generate what's on the page uh at that point and, and you have to believe that you're reading it so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh it's funny like um uh, okay so I'll ask you some, I want to ask you some big questions before I let go. I mean, thank you so much for your time. Like it's, you've been very generous right now uh, in indulging me. Um, okay, so 
so then what do you think what do you think we are doing here like as human beings i mean like why are, like what's this whole thing about because i find it quite ridiculous like i find this entire thing pretty ridiculous like the entire everything. life what do you think life itself like i find it like a like a i'll tell you what i think in a bit but like what do you what do you think what do you think what do you think we're here like why do you think this is um i find that 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 when you observe your own moments of darkness right and mm-hmm. you you ask yourself in 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 those times uh why does it all matter it's strikes me at least in my case that when you're doing something else you don't think about it right it's only when you give <laughs> it explicit attention and then when you're doing something yeah. it goes away so i think the choice is then either to spend your life uh on the uh existential questions because and you have to be very yeah. careful because from the moment you pay attention to anything else those questions go away and uh yeah. so i believe in in the uh in the value of the of the practical um mm-hmm. and that uh our experience of ourselves being as it is one way in which we can avoid pain and suffering is by doing by acting and uh if you cannot find anything valuable in uh in acting for yourself perhaps you can find uh value in acting for others so yeah for sure uh, again i i i i think that um the question why uh is loses relevance from the moment that we do something because generally it it goes to the background and the the yeah, yeah, doing I... things now acting it take, takes takes the foreground so i'm not dismissing the question only i think that the the the, the practical thing to do is uh to act i i i i I agree that's great I mean that's that's like I I couldn't think of a, that's a pretty good I mean it's like I that that answer strikes to me strikes strikes me as true like it like cuz cuz I cuz I experienced that in my life right when I, when I get when I start thinking about these things like what my thought now is like you know what I'm just going to sit down and try to write some code like that like that sort of calms me down you know like it's it, it, like it's weird um like uh, it's a uh, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a like a there's a stabilizing force in meaningful work you know it makes it makes um it, it just uh, it it really is sort of like a counterbalance to a void of just existence like just without any with no reason at all you know for sure i definitely agree with that and uh, okay so i have one more question so like, two more questions actually so one first question is like what kind of future do you think is 
a, a future that's worth running, really like running like hell towards. Like, for you, I mean, it could be for your family, it could be for you, it could be for like the world in general. But something that's worth running towards and like a future for the like a, for the world that we should run away from. Yeah. Like, I think that it, that something that I find missing in in uh, my life as an uh, atheist uh, is uh, ritual. Uh, and, and I think I, I, um, when we become very scientific, um, rational, uh, methodic, not rational, but methodic, uh, thinkers, we often lose sight that we also need, uh, aesthetics and, and, and beauty and, and ritual, uh, in our in in our life uh, one of the things that that i find in, in incredibly uh perhaps frustrating is that uh as an atheist when i go to a, a funeral um there are very few rituals there are very few things that that we um that we have in common to deal with difficult transitions of life, but also to celebrate transitions uh, uh, in life. So I would run uh, to a future where uh, those kind of um, shared aesthetic ex experiences that, that help us with, uh, with marking uh, uh, important points in our, our life are uh, reintroduced and and uh, shared between people. I think that's uh, incredibly important. And I would run away from the um, commercialization of uh, in individual experience. I think that's uh, sad. Um, it's uh, transitory uh, and yeah useless so that's um that's i mean I, I feel like we could just talk we could talk two hours just on the on those two, last two responses that's like i i, I completely uh i agree with like definitely the case like especially with what you said about uh, like like even though like because i was sort of um I was like, in terms of being an atheist, like, so I was raised a Buddhist, right, my family. But then I went to an international school and then I was, I studied around the world. I was around people who were of different religions. So I sort of like, 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 I, like, in the act of amalgamating a bunch of different religions, I've sort of like ended up being like an atheist because, like, I have all these different ideas in my head, right? And I completely agree with you with that in the idea of uh, the idea of tradition and sort of uh, rituals that we need to to take part in these. Like like one of the like one example I can think of is like for example in psychedelic psychedelic use, right? Like modern like modern society like Netherlands, let's say we don't have we don't have good rituals around the use of these these plants, right? Whereas more um, like like older cultures like you know 
from uh, the Native Americans or uh, um, South America, they have rituals and like sort of community ideas behind these things, right? So we need so like even those things are problematic because like you no you can't just be you can't just come home from work on a Wednesday and eat a bunch of mushrooms like that's never gonna, like <laughs> and then go back to work the next day like it's hard, right? You need to have some sort of like community and ritual to behind it but yeah i definitely uh, like like yeah that was, that was great um anyways uh thank you so much for your time we should definitely sit down again and i yeah, I, yeah we have a lot to like to talk about so um i'll definitely bug you again to have another conversation with me i hope you had as had much fun as i did that was that was great yeah it was it was a lot of fun uh, so thanks uh, for inviting me Of course, of course. Thank you so much. And uh, okay, I'll see you around. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me in this conversation. I hope you got something out of it. And until next time.